You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I am well, thank you, Richard. And you, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Nice to be chatting with you today. Yes, yes. What have you been up to? Oh, well, I thought I'd share with you and our listeners a fun Christmas experience that uh, my oldest son, Alex, enjoyed. And that was a uh, thanks to some generous uh, grandparents, which is a common story, I think. But uh, <laughs> he was um, he was given a trial introductory flight lesson down at the Central Coast Aero Club in a little Cessna 150 airplane. Wow. Oh, my goodness. What a thrill for Alex, who has loved planes from day one. How did he yeah. go? Uh, he went very well. So, um, yeah, we just dropped him off at the airfield and then Andy and I took off to do some shopping. I was happy not to hang around. But, <laughs> um, yeah, apparently he told me all the stories. Apparently there was a, a veteran kind of flight instructor, an old guy there who was pretty chilled. And uh, I was thinking that Alex would sort of, you know, the guy would get him up in the air and he'd say to Alex, all right, you can tilt left, you can tilt right. All right, well done. I'll take us back down. You know, that was my expectation for this introductory mm. flying lesson. Mm. But Alex said this guy got him to do everything. He was like, all right, let's do the pre-flight checks. You check it off. Have a look there. Turn the engine on. Pull out the throttle. Turn the stick this way. The rudder's this way. Whoa. Line it up on the takeoff. All right, pull out on the throttle. Okay, now we're up to 60 knots or whatever. Pull back on the stick. Uh, and he, Alex said he, he didn't let up. Like it was the whole time Alex doing everything. Maybe he touched the controls once or twice, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Can you imagine that experience for Alex? Wow. He would have, was he just on a high or what, what was he like yeah, afterwards? He's very excited. He said his right arm was a little tired from holding the throttle pull thing all the time. Um, yes. it was a fair bit of concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was loved it. Yeah, king for more. So, they, yeah, they just flew up from the Central <laughs> Coast. They flew over our house and up near the John Hunter Hospital and then uh, back again and they did the landing. So, uh, yeah, I, that was really a lot more than what I was expecting. <laughs> so, that is amazing. Can you imagine being a flight instructor where you're doing that all the time and you are going into the air with yeah. people you're meeting for the first time that day? That's Whoa. Right. And, and he's only 15. Like, he hasn't got his L's yet. So he's got more <laughs> flying experience than driving experience. Right. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful gift. Thank you, yeah. grandparents. Yeah. So, uh, no, that was fun. Um, good, good story for the, for, for the summer. Oh, wow. Uh, how about you, Joe? What have, what's been on your plate? What have you been thinking about? Well, Enjoy. okay. So I don't mind thinking a bit about my house. And so I thought I'd share about this <laughs> this book, this series of books I borrowed from the library that now I look at it and think I'm a bit ridiculous. So have you heard of Huga? I ha- you, can you spell it for me just to know? It's H-Y-G-G-E. It's a Danish word and it's – Essentially, this idea of, well, for me, I thought it was being cozy. Like, <laughs> I was picturing like a ski chalet with with wool rugs and yeah. a cup of cocoa yeah. and you're wearing a, you know, a beanie with a fluffy thing on the top and yeah. next to an open fire. And basically, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. But I went to the library and I saw these books and I thought, yes, I'm going to get some more cozy in my life because my house 
it feels it feels functional, but maybe not cozy. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's it. That's what I need more in my life. I need cozy. So I borrowed these books and I opened them and I'm incredibly dismayed because what I was hoping for was a coffee table book, but instead was these like pages and pages and paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. It actually was more like a nonfiction tome. Anyway, yeah. but basically what Hugo is, I've got, <laughs> I've taken a photo of one of the pages because I found it so interesting. Um, Hugo is a quality of presence and experience of togetherness. It's a feeling <laughs> of being warm, safe, comforted, and sheltered. But it keeps going, ready? Yeah. Huga is an experience of selfhood and communion with people and places that anchors and affirms us and gives us courage and consolation. <laughs> and it wow. keeps going. This is the definition. To Huga is to invite intimacy and connection. It's a feeling of engagement and relatedness, of belonging to the moment and to each other. Huga is a sense of abundance and contentment. Huga is about not is about being, not having. And I read that whole thing and I thought, well, now nah, I've got Jesus for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My cozy house probably isn't going to offer me connectedness, courage, intimacy, connection, contentment, abundance, etc. But um, I'll read the book anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, I proceeded to read it and, uh, you know, skim it. But basically it's filled with pictures of a lovely assortment of, of, of pebbles in a beautiful woven basket mm. um, or a, a delightfully um, designed Danish chair. And so all of this I have learnt, basically, um, that coziness Danish way is, has a whole lot of meaning to it. I'm not all about that. But I will invite some more like thoughtful homewares into my house and maybe a nice throw rug or two. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I think that's great. I'm I'm very pleased because you've taught me how to pronounce Huji. Huji? Oh well, no. So it's spelled H Y G G E. Yeah. But the book I borrowed actually has the pronunciation yeah. on the front of the cover. It's the book of H Y G G E and it has in brackets Huga. Perfect. The Danish art of living well. Anyway, a bit of fun for anyone who's been considering getting a bit of cozy in their life. Yeah, I, I, I like that attitude that you've got there. Obviously, this this is promising a lot, <laughs> but um, you know, you can just take take what you can, enjoy it. Yeah, not gonna, <laughs> this is not going to be your savior, but uh, yeah, there are things to enjoy. That's great. Yeah, and I think if I saw another book. About about Hugo, I'd be looking for a more like a coffee table book where I could flick through a a series of really pretty pictures of artfully designed food, food and and homewares, and that would great greatly enhance my moment for that moment when I'm reading the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can, in my house, I've got areas of which are like a, a bombshell. There's just no organisation, nothing. Yeah, homely. Yeah, but yeah. it's just here and there. There's little corners where it's like it really matters to me that this is nice and warm and has some presence and stuff like that. Richard, I think I think that's great. I think you're in, enjoying an experience of togetherness. <laughs> <laughs> According to Hugo. Oh, great. <laughs> that's the main thing. Okay. Bit of Hugo. <laughs> With your environment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what have you been reading in the Bible? On to more important things. Yeah. Um, now I've been reading uh, Isaiah, which is yeah, probably the last month I've been doing that in my sort of uh, – longer form reading, and uh, which is interesting. I came across a phrase, uh, a little saying that um, you want to um, rake and dig in your Bible reading. Um, mm. This was maybe from John Piper. But it was quoted from somewhere else. It says, um, 
yeah, Bible reading is about raking and digging. You kind of rake, it's like raking, the, part of it's like raking the leaves, which is getting a big tool and pulling in lots of things from a wide area. Mm-hmm. And digging is going deep for, mm. for diamonds. It was mm-hmm. saying, you rake for leaves, you dig for diamonds. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, actually, that captures a bit about what I try and do sometimes, reading large chunks, but also going deep. So in my uh, raking reading in Isaiah, I've been really enjoying that, I came across uh, Isaiah 53, and which uh. is the famous passage of, uh, it's one of the, known as one of the servant songs. Um, it's the Colin song is there. Uh, from Isaiah 53.6. It's the Doctrine of Atonement quoted heaps in the New Testament. But it was one of those moments, I don't know if it happens to you, where you're just reading the Old Testament and then suddenly you come across something that's very familiar. You're like, oh, hey, wait, how do we, we, we're suddenly here in this part of the passage is really famous. And so Mm, mm. it's a really good experience because you've been in the context of, you know, lots of chapters in Isaiah, but um, suddenly this figure appears really prominently. So, yeah, Isaiah 53 I'll just read um, maybe verse one and to three uh, from the, my, this is the common those are the uh, Christian Standard Bible. And who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that would look out of him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Mm. Yeah, obviously just great there about the humility of uh, the servant um, who is, yeah, we know to be Jesus, nothing impressive. Um, Yeah, the Mm. experience of being despised and rejected. Mm. And a great little phrase there in verse 3 in this translation, we, we didn't value him. That jumped out at me as well. I was about to say it. What did that make you think as you read that? I just think um, uh, it's, in a way, those four words kind of summarise the whole of you, of the world's response to Jesus mm. <laughs> from Jesus' day up until now. We didn't value him. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, Christians are guilty of that as well at times. But Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think and, about that phrase? Oh, my mind immediately went to um, Jesus' silence before the courts, the Jewish temple court um, Mm. scenes where he's he's their king and they are not valuing him as their king. But then whenever I think of that, I then go to the Roman courts and then I go to my own heart (laughs) because I more probably align myself with a Roman court, a Roman um, soldier and that kind of character. But, yeah, all of that – on the way to crucifixion kind of scenes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, Goodness. Uh, you know, that's a, it's a very sobering passage because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, does, it doesn't hold back about the severity, the seriousness of the atonement um, that, that mm. uh, the Lord was pleased to crush him severely and he bore the sin of many. Mm. It really doesn't hold back, but it's, um, mm. yeah, this is the, uh, the, the heart of the gospel of, yeah, Mm. of um, mm. this king suffering, yeah. rising, yeah, for our sins, for atonement. Yeah, it's definitely a, a chapter to have in one's head, isn't it? That mm. If I need to have a, a recollection of an Old Testament passage that talks about Jesus' death and resurre- uh, death, death and what it achieves and how it fulfills Old Testament mm. um, promises, Isaiah 53 would be the one I, 
I yep. go to every time. Yep. It's yeah, it's amazing. Mm. So that's my Bible reading. Yeah, mm. very well. What um, sort of theology, ministry kind of stuff have you been thinking about already? Well, I've I've encountered a book that I think has genuinely changed my thinking, deepened my thinking, um, but is a very accessible book. Right. So Great. basically, uh, yeah, it's a it's a book about. Um, a Christian response, a Christian um, understanding of same-sex attraction and homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And I think what it does is it helped me for those moments where I confess I, I am embarrassed about the Bible's sexual ethic in public. Mm-hmm. There'll be times when someone talks about the Bible's position on homosexuality and I'll feel just this little moment of, oh, this is a little embarrassing, rather than feeling thankful for God's order and thankful for God's design. I'll, I'll privately just have this little cringe in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've long hated that and wanted to change it. And this book, I think, has gone a long way to changing that. Um, so basically, long story short, it's, it's a book called um, Born This Way, by Rachel Gilson, G-I-L-S-O-N. Mm-hmm. She's a woman who was an atheist and a lesbian from a young age, oh. and she she moves to Yale University as a first-year uni student and becomes a Christian after breaking up with the love of her life, a woman she was in a relationship with. And she tells this story of her life as a woman who was a lesbian who becomes a Christian, and it's rich. It's a really richly told story, mm. and um, she includes some other stories along the way as well, which I think are great. But I think that actually the shining achievement of this book is that it does a really good job of engaging with the Bible um, and about making God's design beautiful and showing the place that the Christian who is same-sex attracted exclusively and remains that way for their whole life mm. is is to be understood as as an example of trusting God in a way that is just beautiful and amazing. So, yeah, I think to say that statement again, because it was, mm. it was a long sentence, essentially this book is really good on the Bible. It handles the Bible really well, yeah. and it is persuasive in making you love God's design uh, um, for um, marriage, being one man and one woman at the exclusion of all others till death. Yeah. But also um, she makes a very good argument for why when you look at someone who is exclusively same-sex attracted um, and who will remain single and chaste until death, you look at their life and that is, as in looking in their, at their life, you see an example of Christianity, a trust in God that's incredible. Because mm-hmm. essentially she makes this argument that in our world where romantic love and freedom in romantic love is king in our Western world. Yeah. The person who is same-sex attracted loves God so much they give up all the other options of peak expression of their romantic love that they would want to express. They are so convinced that Jesus is good that they give that up. So one quote from her, she's, she's facing, she's engaging with Christianity for the first time in her life, and this is what she says. In the face of Jesus mercy, here's a quote, how could anything else in life remain attractive in the face of overwhelming undeserved mercy? Could I really pretend the gospel was not true simply because it would be inconvenient for my life? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's huge. It was, yeah, she just, so she tells of her conversion. But then as she starts engaging with um, 
God's position on sexuality. She describes it as a positive vision of sexuality, that God has designed sex to communicate about the big and beautiful things of our world and is actually a bunch of yeses, not a bunch of noes. Mm. And some other quotes, um, here's a quote from her, sex difference, and she describes sex difference as a male and female gendering in, um, in creation. Sex difference is a key way that God's image is displayed in humanity. And she continues, sex difference is required for procreation but also honoured in the role it brings about, it brings about, and she she's really engaging with why does God design male and female? What's the purpose there? Mm. She's really strong on the idea of spiritual family and spiritual parenting, and how that, that means that people who are same sex attracted who will not have their own children will definitely parent. Mm. Um, and then she talks about marriage really well. Marriage. Uh, this is another quote, marriage as a picture of God's relationship with his people, this picture specifically requires sex difference. Mm. And so she's just unambiguous. And I've started rereading the book because it was so good. It's very easy to read. Um, But it also explores some other things just for people who are interested. Explores, um, it gives an illustration of biblical theology with a Star Wars illustration, which I thought was so good. It also is, talks about how, it engages with the question of whether someone who is exclusively same-sex attracted could ever get married if they found themselves to be attracted to someone of, of the opposite sex, which I found really interesting and explores the complexities around that. Yeah, good. And yep, and she talks about her own sexual sin and putting that off as a Christian. Um, but the biggest thing that I really loved was, as I said before, um, a really, really positive view of God's design for sexuality and how that means when we look at someone who's same-sex attracted and remaining faithful to Jesus and trusting in Jesus, they demonstrate an understanding, a trusting God that is inspiring and really exciting. And yeah, there's one thing that I didn't like about the book, or at least I have a question about, didn't like is too strong. She talks about the prevalence of same-sex attraction, and she suggests it's much higher than we would think. Mm -hmm. That isn't borne out in my pastoral experience. And it's made me wonder, is this something that we're ashamed of, or is this actually is what she's saying not true? And I want to be really careful about not in, not thinking that this is a bigger thing than it is, but also yeah. not diminishing it. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I have to say about the book. What are your <laughs> thoughts as you've heard me talking? Oh, well, I'd like to read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. I recommend. <laughs> yeah. We are a bit out of time, I think, Joe. I just noticed the time. Yes. Tell us but the name anyway, of the book again. That was- it is called Born This Way by yeah. Rachel Gilson. Fantastic. I'll right, we'll put that in the show notes and uh, great to have another resource in this yeah, really hot topic um, yeah. in our world, in our churches. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you another time, Richard. Have a great day. Look forward to it. Okay. Bye, Joe. See ya. Bye. Bye. 